1: ACast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com
2: Ooh. 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 somebody please think of the children. Yeah, I'm looking at my notes for Blunt Scenes Clown. It's 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 even it's incomprehensible, like <laughs> I wrote the shot of Angel slightly lower than her body looking up. Nice.
0: <laughs> In
2: Is that supposed to remind me <laughs> of something, Terry from Saturday? <laughs> what? I think there was like a shot like I don't lower know, than her but looking up really at her and it looked really I'm cool. Really I guess I don't even know. <laughs> it's Fuck. Like- Seriously, and it was like Saturday in the afternoon. I had my yeah, coffee. Must,
0: yeah, it sounds like ambient Terry notes.
2: <laughs> it sure did. And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly minisode where we dig into things that we've been watching and or playing recently. I'm Terry,
0: and I'm Mary Beth. And this week we are talking Ben Schwartz singing an emotional sci-fi found footage two video games with exploding animals, and Angel is that bitch.
2: She sure as fuck is.
0: Y'all, I am movied the fuck out.
2: Girl, same. I think (laughs) think we're like in the doldrums of like after, you know, Sundance where you watched over 20 movies. I watched like, I don't know, between 15 and 20.
1: I don't even know. So
2: I just feel like we're in that moment of like, movies are great, but... Also, I'm a little tired of them. <laughs> I
0: know. like I can't, I can't do it. And it's like there, and there's so much coming out soon too. And I'm just uh, I like, know,
2: I just got when will my the press release for sun for Sundance for South by for South by. And I like... know.
0: Oh, I'm so mad that they're not X. They're not doing X as an online thing now, no, which I'm so bummed about.
2: I know. I, I just want to see it. I do too. And
0: just I want to see
2: it, that um know. everything all oh, of the everything ones. everywhere all
0: at once yeah. that a24 sci-fi mm-hmm. looks so good with michelle yang
2: yeah i love it looks her so good. it does look good uh so before we do talk about the movies i wanted to throw this out there that we got our first review of 2022 burr, 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 burr. and they said that the friendship between the hosts is the driving force force and a warmth somehow pervades every episode and that they appreciate little cuts and I believe, Mary Beth, that like either an episode or two ago, you said that if someone gave a review, you would give like a found footage recommendation. So do you have one off the cuff? Because I just sprung this on you last minute. I
0: do. I fucking do. I do actually, because I was... Okay. Story behind this recommendation. I was walking to Seven Eleven before this to get my emotional support, Giant Coke, because <laughs> that's what I love. And a song came on called... Um, Hot uh, um, Air Transylvania by Unalaska, and it's one of my favorite songs. And I know about this song because of the found footage vampire movie Afflicted, which is my recommendation because it's one an incru- It's an incredible found footage movie about a guy's transformation into a vampire. Mm-hmm. But then also these, I found this band because they're friends with them through the movie, and I listened to the song on repeat. So, Afflicted is my found footage recommendation.
2: So there you go, McPodface. Thank you for your review. (laughs) We truly appreciate it. And that is a good movie. I second that nomination.
0: Okay, I want to hear about Ben Schwartz singing, though.
2: Okay, so, um... I, I at this point I feel kind of like I'm a chill for Apple TV plus, but I'm telling you y'all, they're just putting out some really good content. And their latest thing that is um, I believe this is when this when this episode drops will be like the second week in on it. I don't know if, what know. is time time is a construct? I don't know. Yes, the second this will be the second week that it started to air and it's called the after Party and it's created by Christopher Miller of the like uh, Lord Miller. Um, duo that did like uh, they did 21 Jump Street, they did the Lego movie, okay. they produced uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse um, they, so oh, like wow. they're like super producers um, and like they also direct some things and write some things together and so the After Party um, is an 8 episode series That has like an all star cast of everyone from Tiffany Haddish to Sam Richardson to Ike Barinholtz to Alana Glazer to Ben Schwartz, Dave Franco, just like John Early, just like stacked cast of comedic actors. And it it takes place after a 15 year high school reunion where uh, a famous person, Dave Franco, who is like kind of like a Justin Bieber esque type singer that like has been doing pop music uh, is found dead. And uh, Tiffany Haddish plays a police officer who is like showing up there and interviewing people trying to figure out who did it because someone from this after party obviously killed him. And so each episode is from one of the, the cast members' perspective and it's told in a different genre. So the first episode is like a romantic comedy where Sam Richardson's character Anique is trying to rekindle a 15-year-old you know, romance with Zoe played by Zoe Chow. And so it's like a romantic comedy. Ben Schwartz is like a fucking star in this and his episode is literally a musical and there's singing, dancing, all this wonderful stuff. Alana Glazer's episode that I believe is premiering the day that this episode drops is um, a paranoid thriller. So like each episode tackles the events leading up to Dave Franco's character, Xavier's death from a different genre. And it's fabulous.
0: Oh, that's cool as shit. And where is this streaming? This is
2: on Apple TV Plus.
0: Okay. Wait, that sounds incredible.
2: It's really good. I've and seen this. Is
0: it all funny? Like, it's even though they're in different genres, is it funny where mm-hmm. they like commit to the tone? No, it's, of it's like definitely. A thriller?
2: It's definitely funny. Like, it, it, you okay, know, because cool. like. Uh, Miller and Lord, they kind of do like the sort of like genre busting, like kind of yeah. making fun not not necessarily making fun, but almost like a taking it to the kind of parody extreme. And so I would say like this is all done in that kind of tongue in cheek fashion, but it's uh, entertaining oh, yeah. as hell. And what a cast!
0: That sounds incredible. Okay, well
2: I will be checking that out. Oh yeah, it's really good. I've seen like the first six episodes. I think there's going to be eight.
0: Are you recapping them? No. Oh okay, cool.
2: <laughs> no, we're putting all of our attention <laughs> on <is> servant. Just...
0: <laughs> This is just for fun. This is just what for
2: is fun. This was me being like, I want to watch the after party. <laughs> okay, so this emotional, to go from another extreme, an emotional sci fi found footage film. I want to hear about this.
0: Okay, I'm showing this to you, be- and no one else will see it. I'll post a picture. But it is The Midnight Swim. Oh, yeah. And I just got the Blu ray literally like an hour before we recorded with this beautiful cover art. Mm,
2: it's gorgeous.
0: It's gorgeous. I'll post a picture. It's on uh, Vinegar on Twitter. Syndrome, right? Yeah, so Yellow Veil Pictures is releasing it with Vinegar Syndrome. So this is ava- it's available through Vinegar Syndrome's website for like 20 28 30 bucks. So The Midnight Swim is direct. it's from 2014. So this mm-hmm. isn't new, but it just got a blue it's just got this Blu-ray release, which is incredible. It's directed by Sarah Adina Smith, so it's a found footage movie directed by a woman, which oh, is yeah. incredible. And I just spoke with her and she is the coolest most down-to-earth person I've ever met in my life. But The Midnight Swim is about three sisters who go to their childhood home after the sudden death of their mother. And while they're home, they're like, they're they're experiencing grief and kind of you see the dynamics of the sisters. While there's something sort of supernaturally sci-fi, something going on in the lake behind the house. And there's like dead birds being left places, like the cameras recording when people are asleep, like things like that. But yeah, so it's got these like Creepy moments, but it's really this movie about these three sisters going through the grieving process, and like the different the different relationships they each had with their mom, the different relationships they have with each other, and the relationships they have to grief. Mm. And it is like beautifully told with like so the youngest sister is the one filming it because she's kind of like trying to process her grief through Mm -hmm. filming, and so she's recording everything, and like so it kind of gives it a good reason for her to be filming. And it's just really beautiful. It's not like the typical super scary found footage movie, but I think it's a really awesome blend of the horror aspects and, and like oh, supernatural stuff and kind of leaving you guessing about like what's real and what's not. Like even the back of the Blu ray release says Death is not what you think. So yeah, I watched it because I was interviewing the filmmaker and I'm in love with it. I immediately bought it on Blu ray because I was like, this is a very special movie. It is beautifully made. And I suggest all of you check it out. It is streaming. I think it's streaming and like you can rent it. So you don't have to buy the Blu-ray, obviously. Um, I just crave physical media. And yeah. this cover art is gorgeous.
2: I mean, that's one thing you can say for Vinegar Syndrome um, is uh, their cover art is always stunning.
0: It's just... Gorgeous, And, like, I'm just really happy that movies like this are getting releases. Like, so this got the release for Yellow Veil, Cauldron Films put out the Collingswood story, and 1974, The Possession of Altair. Like, movies that you never thought would get a Blu-ray release or be available anywhere but, like, shittily on YouTube are getting released. Hell it yeah. just makes me very happy. I think there's, like, a big found footage resurgence happening right now. And not just in new ones, but in, like, the appreciation of them Mm -hmm. and, like, wanting to restore them. And I really love that. And, like, Archive 81 gave me this vibe because I finally finished it. Oh, I should have. We should talk about that. Um, But I... Sorry, I completely fucking forgot. I watched that last week. Last week was, like, (laughs) six years ago. I fucking forgotten. But just a tangent related to found footage and something I'm actually writing about is how... Archive 81 is integrating these aspects of found footage that are making it more mainstream again and bringing it back into the zeitgeist. Like, obviously, a lot of us have known found footage has been around, but I feel like Archive 81 and its popularity is, like, really showing off, like, really cool found footage techniques. And while, obviously, it, like, isn't all that way, Mm -hmm. there also is this emphasis on on finding stuff that's lost and restoring it and preserving it, which I think found footage kind of as a testament to both like literally and in the films about the importance of like, recorded history, even Mm -hmm. if it's small and the importance of preserving that history and like what it means. And I think archive 81 really brings all that forward. And even though it's not strictly found footage, I think it really kind of brings forward this issue a little bit. And I think it's really going to push stuff forward.
2: So since you brought up, um, archive 81, tell us a little bit about it. I've only seen the first episode.
0: Oh, you have. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So archive 81 is about, uh, a guy named Dan, Dan Dan, who is a video, he's a video archivist and a video is video archivist. So he you know, at the beginning of the show you saw you see him buying random video tapes off the mm-hmm. street and I was like, this is already my shit. This mm-hmm. guy is buying random videotapes off the street. Where is this man? I want to buy all of his weird ass tapes. <laughs> but anyway, he gets contacted to help this organization restore tapes that were that were in a fire. And so he – but he has to do it in this remote location, this weird house, and he can't tell anyone about it. It's, like, a top-secret thing. Cell phones don't work. There's, like, no internet. He watches, mm-hmm. like, old VHS stuff, and maybe his phone will work if he's, like, by the fence. The house gives you control. I got control vibes from the house. Yeah, it has like that it brutalist of has
2: a, architecture has, for sure. Yes,
0: exactly. And so as he's restoring these tapes, he starts – these tapes are from – Melody, yeah. So these tapes are from Melody, who was trying to kind of find out what happened to her mom at the Visser Apartments, but what she kind of discovers is something fucking bizarre. And the whole show is basically Dan going through all the tapes and piecing together the mystery about what happened at the apartments and kind of like trying to figure out this weird mystery going on behind it. So it's fucking weird, but it's good. I was telling Steve, I'm like, I thought that this show couldn't get any fucking weirder, but every episode that says, hold my beer, and something even fucking weirder happens. <laughs> so, yeah, and a lot of the segments, especially in the first couple of episodes, are her filming all of it, so it's all of her footage, so it's not all, what annoyed me at parts is it's too hybrid at certain, po- at certain mm. moments, that annoyed me, but that's... <laughs> That's me (laughs) as a person, but again, there's lots of like cool layers of found footage of like footage that he find. He's looking at her footage, and then she finds footage and her footage, and it's got all those cool layers to it. And like as a person who just loves to study this stuff, it's really fascinating and really cool. I seriously think it's going to be like a really a cool turning point for found footage, maybe or like a deeper integration of that technique. So and it was based on a podcast. It was. I did not listen to it. I wanted to. But I just didn't. <laughs> but it's really weird.
2: Yeah, I've only seen the first episode. And I definitely want to watch more. I just... Time.
0: Yeah. So that... Yeah. Sorry I shoehorned in another thing I watched and, like, totally forgot that I watched it. <laughs> but, um, Archive 81, it's on Netflix. And, like, the hype is real. I I didn't think it was going to be, but it was. Steve and I couldn't stop watching it, so. Hell Yeah. <laughs> But now I want to hear about your two video games with Exploding Animals, because that's incredible Weird. way.
2: Weird. Okay, so the first one I want to talk kind of a little bit about is um, a game called Nobody Saves the World.
0: Okay. And I've
2: heard of that one. It's published by Drinkbox Studios, developed and published by them. And Drinkbox Studios are the company that are known for um, Guacamelee. I don't know if you ever heard of that.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. So in this game, it's like a top-down Zelda game, like the original, like Zelda, where it's like you're just sort of like a a view above them, and you're controlling a character through like a giant overworld map, and there's dungeons. And the idea is that there's this giant, there's this big wizard. He vanishes, and you are a nobody. It's like, you're almost like an empty shell of a thing. You look kind of like a white sack that has like holes. Like cut into his head, it just it you you definitely have like no personality, nothing. You don't talk. Everyone calls you a nobody, and you find the guy's wand, and it allows you to turn into things. So it takes sort of like the job system from like Final Fantasy Tactics type game, except that the jobs in this game are a rat, a slug, a horse, um, a, a mermaid, um, a magician. You basically go through and you, you level up and you can unlock these forms and then you can mix and match abilities. And that's where the exploding animals comes in. Cause one of the classes that you can unlock is a magician and he pulls rabbits out of his hat and uses them as like his minions to go do kill things. But there's a passive that you can unlock that cause you can like start to take uh, skills from all these different classes and sort of mix them together into whatever class you want to play. And one of the skills makes your familiars explode. So now you have rabbits that are running about. And once they hit a certain hit point threshold, just explode and do damage. But then you can also add, uh, the zombies bite to this character. And so now you're biting people and infecting the zombies. So now you have exploding zombies that are making more zombies. And you also have these rabbits that you can pull out of the hat. And then you can also take a ghost ability to make yourself invulnerable while this, all this is happening. And you're basically going through like a Zelda type game, uh, Destroying everything. And it's fun. I haven't finished it. And I think the fun is mostly about unlocking things. Like, I've really enjoyed the kind of sort of quest system to, like, get levels up and, and, like, unlock more classes and stuff. So I don't know if it'll continue to be fun after I've unlocked everything. But I'm enjoying it right now. It's a lot of fun.
0: I want to be a slug.
2: (laughs) The Slugs are so (laughs) so cute. He leaves, like, a a slime trail behind him. And if (gasps) monsters step in it, it slows him down. It's really cute. It's just it's just slime. a slime. It has like a lot of it's just it's just a really cute game. It's only on Xbox and Microsoft Windows, unfortunately. Yeah. So uh but it's on it's on Game Pass. I was playing it on Game Pass. So like I think Game Pass is one of the the best deals if you own a Xbox to be perfectly honest. But <laughs> the other game, I might be taking exploding animals a little too far in this, but they do explode if this light touches them. So we're going to work with it. It's called A Plague Tale, Innocence. Have you ever heard of this one?
0: Yes, I have.
2: So this one is on, it's on everything. I think it's on, I think it's on PlayStation, Xbox and Switch. And it takes place in the 1300s. And you play this woman, this young woman named Amicia. Okay, so this was...
0: Okay, I I was making sure this is what I was thinking of from 2019. Like it's mm-hmm. a it's not older, but it's not like yeah. a, It's not like a okay, cool.
2: Sorry. Yeah, no, I Steve it's played a, it. Steve oh, played did he? It. Okay, yeah, I um I you know I've been wanting to play it, and they're releasing a sequel in in this year. And I was like, you know what? It's on Game Pass. This is a good time for me to play it. Of course, I started playing it, and they took it off of Game Pass yesterday. So I had to go buy the damn game because I'm enjoying it so much. But. Anyway, uh, so yeah, it takes place in the 1300s. You, to Damn play. you, making I the know. good fucking
0: video game, <laughs>
2: assholes!
0: Did your save transfer over? It did, yeah. Oh fuck! Okay, I was like,
2: yeah, no, it it it, tra- it transferred over. It's just one of those things where it's like, I went to go play it, and it's like, you must insert the disc. And I was like, why must I insert the disc? And it was I don't off have of Game Pass, a disc. but like, it still was on Game Pass. And so I was in this really confusing state where it's like. I can't play it, but it says it's on Game Pass, but it's not letting. Anyway, they took it off. But regardless, you play Amicia, this young French woman whose brother, Hugo, who's five years old, has been ill since birth. She's like, comes from like this lord, and they live in this castle. Like they're, they're, they're kind of the rich side of things. But then the Inquisition comes through, kills her family looking for hugo for some unknown reason and so you take off running with hugo while this is all happening there is a plague descending but it's not just any kind of plague it is like a plague of rats that are the rats are carrying it with them as it doesn't in, in in the plague but like there's like thousands of rats and they just like swarm people and devour them in the darkness
0: <gasps> yeah okay yes oh yes oh i remember this because i but steve i was remember with whoa <laughs> what? Lost control of that? I was buffering. I was buffering. <laughs> I remember Steve playing this and mm-hmm. watching him do stuff because all of the rats and the him trying to figure out the puzzles. Yeah. So you could walk through stuff so you wouldn't get eaten.
2: Yes. And so the game kind of takes place sort of like a, a stealth thing where you're trying to – because you, you're a young woman. You have a sling. You have no other weapons. And you're against like armored men. And so part of it is like being stealthy and trying to figure out how to get past – like the Inquisition that's hunting for you. And then the other part of the game is dealing with the black plague infused rats that are just like hordes. When I say hordes, I mean like hundreds of them are on the screen at once. And like
0: it's like carpet. It's like yeah. moving carpet. There's no ground. Right. Unless you like and like the light is what gets them away from their path. Yes. But yeah, like carpet. And if rats. the light touches
2: them, they burst into flames, which is why I was going with this sort of yes. exploding mm-hmm. animal yeah, metaphor there. It, I... works. <laughs> it works. It works. I think that works. (laughs) And yeah. And so you're like, there's, there's places where you're in the dark and rats just sort of like descend and you have to like figure out how to move from like torches to torches and, and try to figure out different ways of like moving. And it's always constantly adding new things to it, which I love. And one of the things that I thought was really cool, I'm about like three fourths of the way through, I think at this point. So I haven't Mm. finished it yet, but man, am I, am I really digging this? I think some of the, the stealth portions, I hate stealth games. I'm not very good at them. And these are a little bit more puzzle Ugh. solving, but one part that I hate okay. is that when you get caught, it's game over. Like, there's no point Ugh. in running if you get caught. Oh, like, that's annoying. I'm done, and then you do the restart again. So there's like a lot of trial and error in some of those parts, and some of them did get me a little frustrated because, again, not the best at stealth. Um, but yeah,
0: oh, I hate stealth games. I'm so bad at stealth games. I like nope. They're just not yeah. stealth missions in games. Nightmare.
2: Nightmare, and that's that's almost like. I would say about, like, 50% of this game is that. But I'm still enjoying it a lot. And there's some parts where, like, you get to do some fun things. Like, there's where, – where it includes, like, the Inquisition and they're walking through the rats. But they have, like, a, a light. And so they're kept at bay. And you can use a slingshot to extinguish that light. And then all of a sudden they're being swarmed. <gasps>
0: right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it was just so cool. Yeah, yeah I, so I remember being really impressed with, like, the creativity of ways you could – get out of things. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a self game with some really cool... Like, with the puzzle elements. And I'm also, like, very much a puzzle game person. I love yeah. puzzle games. So...
2: Yeah, so this one's doing it for me. I think the story's really interesting. I think the, the characters between Amicia and her brother are really interesting. There's some really cool side characters that get introduced. I'm really interested to see how this is gonna play out. Um I really just started playing it because I know the sequel is coming out this year and the sequel looks amazing. And so I was like, I just gotta I just gotta play it. And I really recommend it. Highly recommended. Did Steve like oh, yeah. it? yeah. He did. Yeah.
0: I need you to ask him again, but I remember he enjoyed it for the most part, I believe. And I I didn't play it, but I watched and played a decent amount of it, and it's really... I, I really enjoyed the way it looked, the story, and just, I think, taking a time period like that and putting it into video game form is really cool.
2: So, yeah, that's A, a Plague Tale Innocence, and the sequel cool. of A Plague Tale Requiem is supposed to come out this Ooh. year. Requiem. Such a fancy word.
0: Okay, so... Uh, angel is that bitch what hmm. folk whor- so we're kicking off our folk horror segment journey whatever and terry what movie uh did we uh, are we starting with
2: we started with the 1971 the blood on satan's claw directed by pierce haggard and we sure did <laughs> Boy, I am. You mentioned off air that you have a lot of thoughts on this. And um, I mean, I would really like well, I guess I'll give let me give a synopsis first. So, (laughs) yeah, 17th century England, the children of a village are slowly converting to a covenant of devil worshippers is what IMDb says. And it plays out sort of like an anthology film in a way, I would say, in that like you're following some characters and they find this remains of someone that is like it's it's skull and bones but there's like an eye and there's a patch of fur
0: <laughs> single eyeball
2: yeah single eyeball and a patch of fur and a skull and they bring the judge to the place which i have a lot of thoughts on this this aspect of the judge part but they basically discover that there might be something spreading among the town and it goes from kind of story, to story in a way as it's like unfolding Satanism? Satanism in the town?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's
2: it. sort of.
0: It's, but yeah, because the beginning especially felt like that to me. I feel like as it got towards the end, it felt a little bit more cohesive. Like it got mm-hmm. a little bit more cohesive, but the beginning is pretty slow because it's like, who. It's just a lot of things happening and yeah. it's not happening in an order that makes sense. So it does feel no. like an anthology and well, it's it, hard to kind of keep track. I was having a hard time keeping track of like what was happening. I was like, Wait, who? What? Yeah, I got a little. I got a little lost.
2: Well, the in the first, like, the, you, they introduce this this character and his like girlfriend. In betrothed, that wants to marry her, maybe, and she's staying at their house, and then she ends up coming down with whatever's affecting the town, (laughs) and they lock her up in the attic. And then they
0: They, no, no, not just lock, (laughs) they nail her ass ass into the room. room. They nail her ass into the room, and like all she's doing is like having like a like it's the usual like women in hysterics thing, Uh which is this whole movie. And I just have so many opinions about the gender issues and dynamics in this movie that. I don't know, but whatever. And but, they nail her into the room. Nail then, her.
2: Yes, like, and then they commit her, and then that's the last you see of her.
0: And But that not until she, said, like, her fiancé looks at him in an incredible shot where they have her look at the camera, like, <laughs> you are the guy, and I love that. She puts her hand on the banister, and it's like, it's like a fucking sloth claw. She has a claw. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, and this is, like, the first, like,
2: uh-huh. five minutes of this movie, and I'm just like. And then she's no. never seen again.
0: Nope. No, she's never seen again. And that guy with his, his uh, berries and cream lad hair, not really ever seen again either. <laughs> yeah. He does. It's a terrible
1: uh-huh. wig.
0: Mm-hmm. Guys, I swear to God, I actually kind of like that I like this movie, oh, but too. it has some issues. Boy, does <laughs> Just... it.
1: <laughs>
0: but so, like, as, but once it hits, like, the real sat- like Satanism groove, I feel like it it makes it makes more sense, but it hits that group with a horrific scene of sexual assault that I was not expecting, and threw me for a goddamn loop. Yeah, because the tone of the movie changes very very quickly. Like all of a sudden, it's like full on full core cult movie in the woods. Mm-hmm. Like it takes a very quick turn, which I loved, which is why I love the movie because it pay. I think it's it pays off for when it gets bu- like Buck Wild.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's just that- like. That Ugh. sexual assault just really came out of nowhere. And it's filmed incredibly creepily.
0: It's horrible because this young woman is like brought into the group, which is led by Angel, who is an incredible, it's an incredible performance. She's incredible. But she's like, I think lures her there. And then it's like, oh, surprise, you're actually like this sexual like kind of sacrifice we need to make. And it's, like, it's shot over his shoulder, and her face is in, like, it's in absolute terror. And it's just, like...
2: Meanwhile, this is happening... What
0: the fuck?
2: Yeah. And then, meanwhile, Angel is smelling her clothes and smelling shears that they're going to use to stab her. It just has a very weird... It's just very weird. That's
0: also the scene though, where like they see the devil come out of the little corner, right? <laughs> yeah. Out of the rocks. Yeah. I okay. I know the devil. Like, look, it's nineteen seventy four. It's not always great, but I thought that was a creepy shot when like his little mm-hmm. hands were coming out of the cave. Like, there are some incredibly effective moments in this. Mm-hmm. Again, like once things really start like going and going, it starts going absolutely bananas. But I feel like a lot of cult horror, like or not cult folk horror is like that like there are a couple of folk horror movies that I can think of con- that are contemporary that like build up t- to a crazy ending mm-hmm. so it's like watching this you can see how it really set up a bunch of shit for folk horror though you know what I mean Oh, like,
2: absolutely
0: it, that is the folk horror formula and I love that because I was like I can see I'm like history is making so much sense in my brain when I'm watching this movie which is really cool
2: yeah, this definitely feels like a, one of those more foundational texts for for found for found footage. Gosh, for full core, <laughs> Jesus! Can you imagine? I'm getting into <laughs> you perfect. are. It's like seeping in here. It's all I think about. No. Uh... <laughs> So you can see like so where it comes from like the Wicker Man a few years later and then up into like even I would say some of the, the full core of now. Like this feels like there's some really cool shots in this, too. I I made a little joke before we were recording because my notes are messed up. But there's like an iconic shot of Angel and like she's just sort of the camera's like looking up at her and it's the it's the shot that is used. I think it's the one I've seen of this of this movie, like all over the place. It's like the usual image. I think it's like the iconic image from it. And she kind of gives me like Billie Eilish vibes in that shot. To be perfectly honest,
0: yeah, okay, okay, yeah.
2: Billie Eilish do a full horror movie.
0: She got the look.
2: She does, but yeah, I I I really enjoyed this one. But there is definitely some things about it that, um, like you brought up, Mary Beth, the sort of hysterical woman. That is like, there's a lot of that in this.
0: There is a lot... There is a lot of that. There's a lot... A lot of this movie is very... It's very much woman crazy, must be stopped, mm-hmm. man can restore order. Mm-hmm. It's very much that movie. Like, I was trying to kind of look at it at a, in a lens of like, well, maybe they're trying to say something about like gender... They're not, though. They're not at all. Like, this is 1974 and very much like a patriarchal society is the way movie so that like i get it's 1974 like i do totally get that but it's you know when you're in this current contemporary moment it's hard to ignore it's like it's impossible to ignore because that's the whole fucking movie is that like destroy women because of course the leader of the cult who is like fucking the devil is angel who is a a teenage girl Mm -hmm. and yeah these are all teenagers like Mm -hmm. they don't look like teenagers but these Mm -hmm. are teenagers children, like literal children. And she's the devil, (laughs) essentially. And she's like the young fair maiden that has to be destroyed. And she's preying on all the young fair maidens and the men can help them. And I just wanted a movie where she killed everyone and won. Not her getting stabbed to death by a pitchfork.
2: Yeah. Or where the judge comes back who has been like pops up at the beginning of the film and he comes back and he's like, Leave me to judge who is innocent and then goes about killing everybody. Mary Beth is flicking off the camera, which same to be honest.
0: He's just like, oh my god, at the end. <sighs> the final shot is so fucking annoying because it just it So at the end of this movie he's got a weird sword. I don't know what the fuck it was. It was some weird sword spear thing that I think he put holy water on the end of. So this this has like the Catholicism vibes to it. And he stabs the devil and puts it in the fire. And the final shot is of this guy looking triumphant through the flames. And if that does not tell you what this movie is trying to say, then like I don't know what it is. Men will destroy evil, like destroy the devil, and religion will help them do it. Like, the judge is basically, like, this bastion of masculinity and, like, religious piety because he can save them. So, like, the whole movie, they all look like dumbasses who can't do anything for themselves. And then the judge rolls up with his big funky hat and he's like, I will save you peasants. (laughs)
2: Obviously, this movie got to me. You know okay it reminded me especially as you're as you're talking about it right now it reminded me of when we did like our uh um hammer deep dive this feels like it's like pulled like it's not a hammer film but it feels like it could have been if it was like filmed maybe a decade earlier peter cushing would have been the judge like it feels like if this was a hammer film this would be like and i can't remember which one it was that we saw that had like the 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 twins do you remember and one of them. Joins and becomes a vampire. Yes. Yes. I don't
0: remember the name, but that's yes. And And she's like, like seduces people. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And he comes in and he's sort of like the harbinger of like saving the town. It reminded me so much of those, a couple of those movies that we saw, like The Gorgon, like that particular one that I'm for, I'm like lost what what it was called but i'm like, sorry i have, i'm not i'm of no help mind gone but yeah so like it, it, it definitely reminded me of like those films that we saw where it's like oh we were kind of hoping this would have been saying something about gender and about like feminism or something but it's just that wasn't the time for it
0: no it just wasn't and so like you know with that in mind with that in mind I tried to, like, push that out to, like, appreciate the movie for what it was. And I still appreciate it, for sure. And it, if anything, it's a great kind of time. Kind of buffering again! I'm keeping this all in when I edit, too, because it makes me laugh. Um, But it's a good time capsule mm-hmm. for how horror has evolved. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like... Even though right now it's completely, utterly misogynistic, and it's it is misogynistic. Yeah, it shows you what people were scared of in mm-hmm. the '70s, and it kind of like really shows off that like there was like gender concerns and like frustrations and the desire to reinforce these gender roles. And it's wild when you think about it because I feel like it's so easy just to think about it from our lens of like right now, but it's just like, whew.
2: Yeah, and I was thinking about this because uh, we had just talked um, about "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark," and it kind of reminded mm-hmm. me a little bit of the sort of like gender roles. And that one set—I yes. want to set it at, at the modern time for the, for that for the '70s, but like it definitely shows sort of like the 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 kind of maybe fear and like ways that it are, that like gender was such a huge thing. There were like the, the particular yeah. like the masculine roles and the feminine roles, and I, I definitely feel like you can kind of see that in this movie as well. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah,
0: and Angel then traps also traps one in a bear trap, and that was incredible. So it was Angel. Angel is a bitch, and she's an incredible bitch. And if you like this movie, like she is worth it alone as like an iconic horror villain. And I honestly think she should be talked about more. I know she's mm-hmm. not on in it a ton, but I think she is an incredible horror villain, and she should be talked about more. I'm saying it again, but
2: this is a movie I'd love to see them remake, and like. Kind of recontextualize for
0: oh. modern audiences, you know?
2: Do something different with it. But, like, that recontextualize it as a fem- under a feminist gaze. I think that would be really intriguing. Because there's some interesting oh. things in here. I'd love to see yeah, that.
0: Yeah, it could very easily be turned into a, like a, a more... Like, an overtly feminine, feminist text. Easily.
2: Someone get on that, yeah. please. Please.
0: Yeah, that was Blood on Satan's Claw. Uh, was weird... Yeah, but important, and mm-hmm. now we kind of can see where things are going with full Uh Speaking of which, Terry, what are we watching for? Found. Not, I keep. Damn it! I'm doing it too. <laughs> <sighs> what are we watching next week?
2: So next week, we are going to jump ahead a decade and we're going to watch Eyes of Fire. And I saw some GIF on Twitter and I was like, ooh, this looks like it could be fun. Um, and the the brief synopsis of this is that a preacher is accused of adultery and he and his followers are chased out of town. They become stranded in an isolated forest, which is haunted by the spirits of long dead Native Americans. Uh, so we are going to go get our eyes burned out. Eyes of Fire? I don't. I don't know what, what's a yeah, good segue the there. Yeah,
0: it was the tweet that you sent me. It says before the witch, there were eyes of fi- there was eyes of fire. This full core holy grail combines art house surrealism, Gonzo creature effects, and ambitious symbolism to build a truly haunting experience. Sign me the fuck up.
2: Hell yeah! Right in the middle of the 1980s with like all those great practical effects. So I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping this one will be st- good. Stoked. But speaking of being stoked, who are we talking to on Monday, Mary Beth?
0: Ooh, on Monday we are chatting with indie game developer Daniel Mullins, <gasps> who created the fantastic game that Terry and I have gushed about, Inscription. Mm-hmm. And he brought with him James and the Giant Peach.
2: He sure did.
0: Give us a listen on Monday, especially if you played Inscription, and mm-hmm. if you haven't yet, why?
2: Yeah. Come on. I was thinking about doing like a stream of it at some point.
0: <gasps> do it. Oh, do it, stream. it. That would be so fun.
2: It would be because I know there's people that can't play it because it's not on it's, uh, on anything yeah, other than PC. Yeah. And it's it I think there's a lot of really cool things going on in that game. And he talks a lot about it. He talks a little bit about the ARG, he talks a lot about how, how he came about it. So it's it's a great conversation. I am so glad we got to talk with him.
0: Me too. So, listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Did you watch one of the movies or play one of the games we talked about and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for things we should be talking about? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at McAndrews.
2: And I'm at Gailey Dreadful.
0: And, of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at ScarredPodcast.
2: And if you want to get a recommendation from Mary Beth for a found footage film... Or just because you're listening to us and you love us, give us a rating, a review, and make sure you're subscribed. We are also, I, I mean, I hate to like, no, just cut that out. I don't even talk about Spotify right now.
0: <laughs> That's tr- oh god, fucking Jesus. Um, thank you to Eric Carr for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy.
2: <laughs> and until next time.